0: Welcome to fueling the revenue engine. My name is Ross Greenfield, co-founder and chief enablement officer at level 213. This podcast was created as a response to requests that we've gotten from the enablement community, looking for resources to support them as they navigate this evolving landscape of enablement. As we look to the future of our profession, we believe that this is a great time to connect with other enablement leaders for discussions that take a closer look at relevant enablement topics. It's our hope that this podcast provides insight, guidance, and support to the go-to-market enablement and sales leadership community during both prosperous and challenging times alike. We're coming to you from San Francisco, California, where we are in the middle of figuring out what the impact of the coronavirus will be now and in the long term. For the immediate future, we are still under a shelter in place order here, which means that we're using conferencing technology instead of studio sessions to put this podcast together. As such, please excuse any fluctuations in our audio. Today, we're going to be speaking with our guest expert, Chad Tribuco, who is the head of sales enablement at Glint. We're going to be discussing what should be in your sales enablement tech stack and the considerations that you should keep in mind when you're building out your tech stack for the benefit of the teams that you support. So before we kind of dig into that, just as a way of definition, a sales enablement tech stack is a grouping of technologies that the sales enablement team leverages to help conduct and improve the sales activities of the sales team. Often the focus of these tools are to increase rep efficiency, effectiveness, productivity, and so the ultimate goal is that they're, that the teams are able to achieve their revenue targets. The space, the sales enablement space, continues to grow and evolve as much more companies are investing in sales enablement. We're actually seeing companies start to invest in sales enablement even at an earlier stage in their growth. If you look at research, even this research was done pre-COVID-19, but according to the research that was done recently, Sales enablement technology is expected to be a $6 billion industry by 2023. I would imagine that with organizations going to full remote, we're actually going to see that increase more rapidly, even faster, and probably higher because sales enablement becomes super critical in this new reality. And there's a rush to be able to leverage the sales enablement technology to really be able to enable a remote workforce in this ever-changing economy that we find ourselves in. Chad has been very thoughtful and effective building and implementing and also managing and maintaining a dynamic sales enablement tech stack for his team at Glint. So I'm really thrilled that he's taking the time with us today to walk us through his process and what he's learned throughout it. So welcome, Chad. We're so happy to have you. I'd love to hear where you're uh, talking to us from and how you've been holding up in this uh, new world we find ourselves in.
1: Yeah, uh, Well, thank you. I'm, I'm honored to, to be a part of this. Um... I'm uh, sheltering in place uh, just outside of Santa Barbara, California, up in wine country there.
2: Nice. And,
1: uh, you know, pulling the, uh, you know, the, the reverse the re- reverse maturity and, and moving back in with my parents. So uh, that's been an interesting, uh, interesting dynamic, but uh, definitely a fortunate one.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I think we see a lot of people, um, what you call communal living right now, right? Creating yes. these groups of, of large families kind of coming back together. And it's interesting to see how we've evolved back to that. Like that was what people did 100 years ago, right? We lived in family yeah. units. And now you ask people who are they with, grandma and mom and dad and then the kids, right? All coming <laughs> together Because that's your only ecosystem right now. It's your only um, um, social circles these days. So I'm glad that you're able to have that and have that support. Um, and hopefully soon we can expand out to more, to more people and more families as restrictions are starting to ease in, in many areas. So I'm glad that yeah. you got to be, I mean, there are worse places to be than Santa Barbara, let's be honest.
2: Exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate you taking the time, um, especially knowing how busy uh, sales enablement is these days. So I'd love to start by hearing your thoughts on what part technology plays in the sales enablement
2: motion.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, that's such a great fundamental question. Um, at least for us, I think the the technology piece has really been a one to many. Um, I think, you know, enablers, whether they're sales enablers or revenue enablers or, um, you know, CS enablers or customer enablers, you know, there's, they're usually a pretty small team um, or a growing team. Um, and I think, you know, the scale and, and the size of, org that you support um, can be, you know, you know, m- many, many times over, uh, you know, the size of your team. And so I it think this technology, say that again,
0: it always will be,
1: right? yeah
0: It's it's based on the number of, of people you're supporting. So it's always a one to many.
1: Exactly. Okay. And I think, you know, usually it's one and most yes. most folks that I've I've met or conferences I've been at when you ask folks, raise your hand if you are, uh, you know, a one person band, you know, most of the hands in the room go up. Yeah. So to be able to, to do companies. Yeah. Especially with small companies and and certainly in the tech space.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, So to be able to do the work that we do, um, you know, in the, in the 12 hours a day that we do it, um, you know, you got to have some sort of technology to help you scale. I think that's, you know, given the pandemic, and kind of the post pandemic world, I think that's only going to be become more and more true as teams are you know, distributed and yeah. um, people are remote. Um, I, I think, you know, the stack can quite literally be the eyes and ears and even hands of enablement. Yeah. Um, and just today I was talking to our CRO. I didn't even know he knew how to use Gong. Um,
2: mm-hmm. And
1: he was telling me about a call he saw. And, and I think that gets at sort of the, the scale and the power is that it Sort of distributes the workload a little bit um and allows people to do what they need to do when they need to do it and i think you know th- that's the power
0: yeah i love what you just said um, I, two things a it becomes the eyes and ears of enablement but even more so which is so brilliant to think about it that way but even more so it allows you to bridge the gap with your cro with your frontline managers with your your pmm so that you and enablement can get more done leveraging the partnerships. Of the other supporting teams because you have this technology that Absolutely. kind of allows them to do it, and obviously, yeah, to your point, post COVID and you know and the reality that we're going to find ourselves in for what the next 12 to 18 months for sure, if not longer, um, we need that this these technologies to be those eyes and ears and to allow any sales team, any sales enablement team, and sales frontline sales leadership team to be more effective in allowing um, our teams to be more productive. So really, really important. Um, And, uh, you know, the eyes and ears when you say that, I think also the data that you're getting out of it, right? Which helps you make better decisions, especially in a time when, you know, you bring up the pandemic we're in, like, rapidly changing things. Are things changing? And what we're hearing people saying, you mentioned Gong, which is a uh, call conversation technology, uh, intelligence technology, right? So being able to give us, you know, I'm not sitting in the room with my sales reps anymore. How do I know what they're actually saying? So really interesting insights. So to, your, to that point, you know, the sales name tech stack has several categories, right? And sales name itself has several categories. And so it could be anywhere from, and this is not an exhaustive list, like the CRM, which is, you know, your Salesforce, your Microsoft Dynamic, which is typically implemented and maintained by sales operations, but everything integrates into that. And obviously sales enablement plays a, a big part in, in the implementation and uh, use of that CRM. And then we have learning management, there's knowledge and asset management, there's sales coaching, like what you were just mentioning with the call intelligence, there's productivity and efficiency, there's sales customer engagement management, and I would imagine we'll have a few other categories kind of get introduced over time. So the, so how do you decide where you go, right? What what direction should I start in, in building up a stack? and So the technology in your stack should really reflect the needs of the business at that time. And they're often tied to the stage and size of the team. So that said, I'd really like to hear if you can share with us what is in your tech stack, and maybe the size of your team and the number of people you're supporting and who you're supporting, and how does each technology that you have help
1: the team to be more productive? Yeah, I think that's a great point. I, I think we'll get into this a little bit later, but just interesting that you say this should really start with what you guys need, right? I think a lot of our choices have been driven out of pain, mm-hmm. um, as most as most buying decisions sure. are. But um, we can talk a little bit more about that. So, in our stack, we have a, a knowledge um, sort of an asset management system. We use we use a company called Guru, um, and really what that has done for for us is is it it's allowed to allowed us to pull information out of email, out of Google Drive, out of shared drives, out of all these different places, um, and put it in one place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we started, and I, when I started at Glintz, uh, we had about five sales reps, um, and they were still all over the U.S. Um, now we have, Now we have almost 60 sales sure. reps all over the world. Um, and then, you know, there's the, the rest of the sales org, you know, from sales ops to the, the sales development team, um, to the biz dev team, you know, it it, probably supporting well over a hundred people. Um, and it just creates this connective tissue, right? Where everyone is going to the same place.
2: Mm. Um,
1: they know where to go. They're using that same language, um, you know, it creates a consistency versus, you know, a Google Doc that's updated, people don't know what happened. Um, just the the pain of that, um, you know, really drove us to get a knowledge management system. And then from a go to market perspective, it, it's been phenomenal. I and mean, we used to have these documents that seem to be kind of the, the practice of our product marketing team. And and, and their past lives of creating a very complicated email with links inside links within links. Mm. Um, and now it's simply a guru board um, that we send out and we send maybe a link to that board and say, here's everything you need to know about this product. Um, you know, we've already done a training. So it's, it's really largely, you know, just in time knowledge, but it's right there served up. Um, it's not going back to email um, and finding the right link and, and that type of thing. So it really just cuts out that sort of that grab that sales needs to do uh, when they're on a call.
0: Yeah. And, and, mm-hmm. and you already, you gave an example of a partner, right? In this case, it would be the product marketing partner kind yep. of leveraging the technology because they, they're, they're, you know, there's an element of sales management that fits into product marketing, although it's only a small piece of what they do, but they're the one who might be, you um, uh, uh, putting out some content or assets or trainings. And then the you know guru in your case and knowledge management way, that you use is kind of allowing them to support the sales team, but then the sales team having it when they need it, which
1: is the most important thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and then kind of rounding out the rest of our stack, we have an LMS, um, a learning management system. And, and this is really a landing page for our reps. Um, you know, it's, we use this in close conjunction with you know, sales managers and their involvement, um, from a manager perspective, I think it's, it's a real, it, it's a real plus because managers know what their team is getting. Uh, they know they're getting consistent information so that they can focus on what they're good at with the skills they bring in. That's coaching, um, and really getting into the weeds of the deal and, and bringing folks up to speed. Um, it's been pretty cool. We've seen, uh, we've seen a reduction of, of the ramp time for, for the first call, Uh, or the first kind of conversation, sales conversation, um, come down dramatically, like in in the order of weeks uh, since we introduced an LMS. Um, And then from a timing perspective, right, if you have folks all over the world, right, you can't be running as a single person team, you can't be (laughs) running onboarding sessions, you know, in the middle of the night. Even Um, not as a
0: single person team, right? If you're based in one geography... Yeah,
2: exactly. And even
0: for them too, I think, you know, a lot of companies, you know, if they have an APAC team or a European team and we we book a schedule based on where we live, and that means that, are they getting on a call at three o'clock in the morning? Like, are they going to learn then? so, you know, the learning management, just to be clear, that's where kind of like training happens, right? Like courses happen. Um, And so you're able to do like um, self-paced type things, right? which again, obviously with a remote workforce. Now, j- just, just before, just a point of clarification, we're, was Glint a remote workforce prior to COVID or did you become a remote workforce during, because, as a result of COVID?
1: Uh, we definitely were remote before yeah. most of our sales reps sit in territory. So yeah. um, that's sort of always been our, our move. So these technologies were, were very, very important for
0: you know, the learning the knowledge to be able to, to um, enable and manage a
1: remote workforce. Exactly. Uh, And then just the two others I'll cover um, prospecting from a prospecting perspective. Obviously, we use LinkedIn tools, sales navigator and LinkedIn talent insights, which which really help our team sort of see things from um, a macro level and then get really into the details and provide, you know, even, you know, serving up information that that the that the prospect may not have or understand just based on sort of the data that LinkedIn has, which can be really valuable. And then from conversation intelligence perspective or coaching uh, we use a company called Gong. Uh, I know there's a couple others out there, but um, I think this is, you know, this is like the wild West. In my perspective, I think there's so many different things that you can leverage this for. Um, Like I talked about our CRO was on a call. I had no idea that they were on it. Um, I can be on calls that sales reps don't know I'm on. Um, it gives us visibility, but it also allows them to self-coach. It allows manager, managers to coach. Um, and then from an enablement perspective, it's allowed me to source stories, best practice
2: wow. um,
1: versus sitting down with reps and interviewing them. And I, and I found that sometimes the best reps that we have don't really know what makes them good yeah, uh, or they can't articulate it. And so when you can see it and identify it um, and they don't have to sort of spell out I mean, it's always hard hard to talk about what you do well, even for a salesperson. Sometimes, um, yeah. so I think this is this is kind of like f- fills that gap.
0: Yeah, you know the introduction. This is a newer one of the I think from all the ones that we've talked about so far. This is the newest to the sales enablement tech space. Over the past few years, it exploded, um, and for good reason, for all the reasons that you just described. And it's interesting because, as you say it, um, I used to try to ad hoc this on my own um, or grassroots or whatever the word is when I was just starting out on sales enablement, we would ask new hires to record themselves leaving a message, for example, or, or doing a call. And then we would ask them to go like an hour or two later and listen to their own recording and, and give themselves self-feedback. And they would come, and we would ask them to go to a private place where there was nobody else around. And so they can really listen enough to have any you know ego involved or anything like that. And they would come back and they'd be like, I didn't realize I said this, or I didn't realize I did that. And this gives it, this, this allows them to do that themselves. And it's not fake. It's a real customer call that and, and obviously the data you can track. And I've been doing a lot of looking at the data, even just to manage decisions, you know, through and give recommendations for enablement through the pandemic of you know, how are customers responding? How often does does the pandemic show up, you know, in calls, who's getting on the calls, what's resonating with them. So it's a tremendous tool. For you know all the players that you just talked about, the frontline managers who are not in the same room as, as 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 their sales team today, the sales team themselves, sales enablement obviously to be able to get back. And then to your point, like grabbing stories and successes, and you know rep A when he when he or she said X, buyer responded you know in a in a positive way. Let's all try doing that. So really really important tool, um, you know. In any times, and I and I was so happy to see this technology kind of become more adopted in um, for sales enablement and for sales. yeah. Um, so, you know, you mentioned you know a pretty you have you know four or five you know I think we at this point like five components or four components how did you think about building this tech stack? Like in what order did you go? Would you do them all at the same time? And kind of what was your thought process and why? Because we mentioned earlier that a lot of it has to do with the size and, and, and timing of the company and the need. And you mentioned like the business pain of the company. So what was your experience and, and how did you think through that?
1: Yeah, I think um, if, I, if I look back at the history of, of this, we may not have done it the same way, but I also think it worked how we did it. Um, I think prospecting tools are fundamental for sales folks. I think those are probably some of the first things you want to put in place because you got to drive your business, you got to create the revenue, yep. some revenue to buy all this other stuff. Um, but I think we, we got an LMS and a CMS sort of right at the same time. Um, one was driven by executive pain. We got the LMS because we didn't quite have a sense of how folks were onboarding we didn't. We were rolling out new messaging. We wanted to certify people, but we didn't have a, a very agile way to do that, and a, a way that, uh, the executive team could feel like, hey, this is actually happening, and we're seeing measurable progress. And so, we went after that. But at the same time, I was maintaining a you know, pages and pages and pages long sh- spreadsheet, um, of content that was linked all over our Google Drive and different places. And there was some real pain there for centralizing all of our knowledge, Um, and so I built the case that, like, hey, if we can get a tool that uh, will cut out the searching, will you know, cut out sort of the organization, the bottleneck of me sort of mapping all of this stuff, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see some measurable progress, and and we did. So I kind of got those in conjunction, and then we sort of lucked into conversation intelligence. But I think that would that could quickly rise up uh in sort of the stack priority um when when we were acquired by linkedin in 2018 um you know they were using gong and mm-hmm. so they got us seats and we were able to, to to adopt it so um but i think if even with a small team it might even be more critical um to get a sense of how things are how things are going and be able to you know really drive enablement you know much more from a a driver's seat than sort of a back seat,
0: mm-hmm. and also um, dictate what should be in my learning management system. Right, where are they struggling? Yep. What skills do they need, or yep. what knowledge do they need, or the assets that they need? And I think you know, the, it's it's interesting to hear your track and how you got there. Um, but they you know I think what what anyone should take away is like what is the problem right what is the biggest problem that you have and in what way are you going to solve it and then you know work from there right because you can't you know you can't fix everything overnight so what is the biggest need of the organization and um, which technology is going to help you get through the fastest and I think that's probably the smartest way to go Um, and I you know I, I would imagine that a lot of the tools in the tech stack kind of complement each other and work together and um, make each other stronger. And so I'd be curious to hear how, if at all, you're using these different technologies together to make yourself more than one person or two people that you are today uh, to support a, a growing and ever-growing global
1: workforce. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a great question, right? It's, it's, it's so important, how do you use these together because they won't be used if they, if they don't make sense together. Um, I'll just kind of share an example. I I think I can go through like the, the bits of how I actually do it. But I think one, one, like just really important way that I've used it is we've, we've, we stood up a, a team in APAC, um, about a year and a half ago. And obviously I couldn't be on all the calls. They couldn't be on all the calls where we were doing training. So we just posted everything. Uh, we posted it in our knowledge management system. We linked it up with lessonly, our LMS, um, And these reps ramped super quickly Mm. and they were out there, you know, that became sort of their, their tether to what was going on at HQ. Um, They sort of understood like in some ways they didn't have to deal with all the other meetings. They were kind of just straight focused on what they got. Mm. Um, And it gave them like really good access. And we've, we've, we've run that model um, as we've trained other teams in APAC is stood up sort of these systems and, Linked them together so that, you know, reps could find what they need. I think I'll get into this a little bit later. Just talking about, you know, the the resourcefulness of sales reps, um, and I think that's where these things can become so powerful. Is if you create the 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 framework, uh, reps will find what they need and they'll use it. Um, and I think linking, you know, guru cards within Lessonly and Gong calls within Lessonly and Guru. Um, you know, it just makes so much sense that someone could search for a competitor and see a salesperson actually talking about that competitor, you know, just by simply searching in Guru.
0: Um, yeah, and one of the things I love is uh, about the space that we're in, the, the technologies are working really well together, like Leslie and Guru work really, really well together, Gong can be used really, really well um, in in guru for example so you're able you know i go to the learning management i'm you know i'm a rep in apac i have to learn the new product or the new thing i'm going to be selling i take the actual course but then the guru card kind of refreshes it and keeps me when i need it just in time and then because i'm able to link the two of them together if if data changes in Guru, it automatically changes in Lessonly and vice versa. So totally. it's, it's like, you know, one is my long my long term, I sit down, and I'm taking a class. And the other one is like, when I'm actually having the, the conversation and they ask me about the competitor or the product, I have, I, I'm reminded of like the bite-sized piece of, of what happened and in, in what I learned in Lessonly, for example. And the same, you know, your example with Gong, if I can take a good, a good call and use that as it can turn into a training perhaps in lessonly or it can turn into a guru card with like data that someone can leverage so really really great way to kind of link it all together so we talked about several different categories that are often included in sales enablement and you know the list keeps growing rapidly and most people want to you know include all the categories in their st- in their stack but that's not really um realistic and or advisable so i would I would want to hear your advice on if somebody has a limited budget, or even limited, you don't want to um, overwhelm your, your your sales team or your go, your go to market teams. How should they prioritize prioritize what's included in their tech stack and and um, what they offer to the sales team?
1: Yeah, I think you know at the end of the day, we need to remember that we have a customer as enablers, and that's the sales team. Um, and and I think understanding what their pain is,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right, if they're, if they're not able to get into the right companies, right, it's a prospecting tool, or, you know, if they're, you know, using their own decks on their own desktop um, that aren't up to date, and you sort of understand that through some interviews and kind of watching them, then like a CMS or an LMS make a lot of sense, and that's what I started to see, um, and then I think the next step is like, pick things that are not confusing, keep it very, very clear and simple tools work better than like these huge encompassing tools. Um, And make sure that it's clear what the tools are for. I think Mm -hmm. some companies can get confused. Do I really need a CMS and an LMS? Um, And I think if you make that confusing, then, you know, it's not going to be helpful for your team. Um, But I I really think a CMS, if if you're going to start anywhere, Um, is pretty fundamental because you can build off that. You can link out to an LMS, you can link out to a gong or a chorus. Um, You can still run virtual sessions if you need to. Um, But I think that longer tail of a CMS to serve up the content when it's needed in the future is just so critical um, and so critical for sort of that continual enablement that um, we want to be doing.
0: Yeah, I think I think um, what I heard you say that I think is so important is not just the technology from your perspective as the enablement um, people or the, um, the other stakeholders like leadership or product marketing, but also taking into question the person that's going the end user of this on the, at the end of the day and making sure that they're really clear on what is the point of the technology and how and when do they use it? And is it easy for them to get to? And is it, is it within their daily work, you know, workflow? Does it, does it integrate into Salesforce? Does it integrate into Google and to Gmail? Uh, Because I hear a lot from salespeople, you know, how come you didn't check out the, let's say, learning management system. I didn't even know what it was for or how to get to it. Right. And I, I, in my, in my time, I have pulled out, learning management systems because they were just too hard for the salesperson to use. And I, I get in the habit when we're introducing a new, a new technology I, or piloting a new technology, I'll watch the salesperson use it. Is it intuitive? Do they know where to go? Do they know when to go there? Um, what are they looking for? Because that also tells me, is it going to work? Are they going to use it on a day-to-day? Because otherwise you have a really, really great technology that nobody's using. Right. And so I think that remembering that and then also not making it too whiplashy and that kind of leads me to my next question is like, I see, especially with, with, with startups, I don't know if it's as prevalent in larger companies, but you know, we go tech happy, right. We get excited. We're, especially in the tech space where Mm -hmm. we're tech people, we get, we get impressed by, by technology. And and we all of a sudden have like so many different technologies um, and sometimes even doing the same thing. And I'm, I'm always, I'm always very thoughtful about what is the implication of that, right? To the end user, to the, to the sales enablement team. So what are your thoughts on that? You know, when, when, when a company goes tech happy or what, what I also see is like you hire a new person into the sales team and they're coming over from a new company and, and that, uh, an older company and that company used XYZ technology and they're like, we have to get this, right? And then they don't even know what you already have. So what are some of the implications of what I'm going to call tech happy and having these uh, a pretty extensive stack and what are the pros and cons, uh, you know, of all of that?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm in a unique position where, you know, Glant was a a very small startup, grew very quickly. We were purchased by LinkedIn, which is a much bigger company. It's owned by Microsoft. So we have a lot of Microsoft tools. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of tools out there. Um, and it's, it's funny. I I recently hired somebody and they said, "I, I, when you onboarded me, you showed me how to use the things that I have. Um, And that didn't happen at other places that I've been and that I've worked at. And I think that's, what's important. Like if you can't, if a salesperson starts and they don't understand all of the things you have, or even how to use them, like what you're, you're wasting your time. Um, and I think at a larger company, like sales information is going to go through so many reviews, so many committees, so many cycles, so many filters, um, That at the end of the day, sales is still going to use what sales is going to use. And I think the closer you can stay to kind of the, the, the gorilla way that they do things, the the ad hoc, the, the resourceful way they do things. um, You know, the, the more you'll be able to enable not only those folks on the, on the very front lines, but that you'll be be able to enable their peers and sort of replicate what they're doing. Mm. Um, and I think it's that closeness to what reps are doing. So as an example, and in, in guru, I can see what folks are searching for um, mm-hmm. and finding, and I can also see what they're searching for and not finding. And that's what I mean by being at the very front lines of seeing how folks are using things. And if you don't know how folks are using things, then I think, you know, you've gotten further away and, and you're not enabling them in the way that you know, they probably need to be.
0: So I'm hearing they have to know how to use it and
1: you have to know how they're using it, right? Yeah. They have
0: to know where, how and when to use it and then you have to make sure that they're using it correctly and what data am I getting? Like your example of guru knowledge management and asset management uh, a solution of, okay, what are they looking for that they're not finding? Do I have to include it in that? Maybe I have to turn that into, a, you know, a course of some sort too. Um, and also them knowing what to use. I, I was talking to a, a rep at a company today and, and you mentioned like prospecting tools being uh, important and they have like, four different prospecting tools and he uses zero of them because he has no idea why <laughs> to and when to use it just became overwhelming. So um, so I think that 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 it turns into whiplash for everybody. And then what I think I heard you say it is kind of even like you of a, as a team of one or two or three, whatever you are, the one to many, you have to be able to kind of manage that, right? And be able to look at, oh, what are they searching for in the knowledge management in your case, Guru? What, you know, did they take this course in our learning management system for example.
1: Yeah I also think I'd add another piece just because the a bigger company is using it doesn't necessarily mean it's better Mm -hmm.
2: Um,
1: and I've seen that just you know folks have come to me from from LinkedIn and said wait tell me more about this guru thing because it seems to be people seem to be using it a lot more than this product or that product or what we were working on before Um, and I think you know double down if, if you're ever in the situation I'm in double down on what's working and, and, and fight for it. Because I think, you know, the more that we fight for our teams and they see us fighting for them and maybe I'm going on a rant, but um, you know, the more that they're going to have, you know, they're going to, you know, give you credibility and, you know, know that you're doing the best for them. And I think that's been an interesting way to continue to enable my team as is really say, hey, this works and here's how it works. Let me show you, yeah. um, not, in, not in a, you know, let me show you way, but like, hey, let me teach you what we're doing and yeah, and and really learn from one another.
0: Yeah, and I think too, it's like if, if they're coming to you and they're telling you that, you know, in your case, the, the business, the, the, the pain that we started off this conversation talking about is the seller's pain, right? Or the go-to-market mm-hmm. unit pain. And so if they come to you and they say, I'm ha- I can't hit my quota because I don't have ABC, then you can say great point let's leverage the technology to get you there right and so really listening to them because they're the person that they're they're the stakeholder of the problem of the person's of the person's problem that you're that, that are on the front lines day to day. You're solving the problem of the sales leadership or the go-to-market leadership, but but they're a little bit more removed from the battle lines, right? Yep. Uh, whereas the salesperson, the go-to-market person, like they're the one who has to talk to the buyer every day or yep. or have those conversations and close those deals. So really listening to what do they need and what are they going to actually really use, I think becomes important. And your point that, you know, just because a large company uses it is a really interesting one because in my experience and like you, I worked at very, very big companies, I've worked at small companies support to medium-sized companies, a lot of times in a larger company they're using something just because they have it, it's built, it's integrated, and they're not going to pull it out, right? And sometimes it's older technology, It's, yeah. it's they, they tend to be lagging. Uh, they also make decisions for different reasons, like, oh, I already have a relationship with this big vendor, I'm just going to, whatever they put out, whether it's the best of breed or not, whereas uh, more nimble modern company you know they they're making more decisions faster you know a large companies things go really slow so just because a, a big company uses it and they also have different needs right are they
2: totally you totally. know are they
0: how many sales people do they have how big are their deal sizes it, it's it's always gonna it's always going to vary. So to that point, you know, you worked at, at some really, really large companies. You also, you know, uh, explain like the Glint, LinkedIn, Microsoft, it kind of like grows up on a, on a lot of relationship. Do you find yourself and you worked at, 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 you know, much bigger enterprises prior to Glint. Do you find yourself taking a different approach to your sales, sales enablement tech stack? And if so, how and
2: why?
1: Yeah, I think um, I've been pretty fortunate that LinkedIn's been like, hey, continue to run how you're going to run and let's see how you do things. Let's learn from one another. So I think the approach has been.
0: But you're, you're on this
1: uh, unit within LinkedIn, is that correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think the approach has been let's continue to run the way that we're running and sort of show uh, show off what we can do and, and see how far we can take this. Um, but I also think it's been really awesome to adopt some of the tools that that LinkedIn was using, like I talked about Gong, that we sort of
2: mm-hmm. lucked
1: into that. Um, and, and that's the counterpoint to my point of just because a bigger company is using it doesn't mean it's, it's necessarily better. I mean, we weren't using this. Uh, yeah. We were much smaller and it made sense for us to use it long ago, but we just hadn't pulled the trigger. And, um, you know, to see a, a tool like Gong, which is a pretty agile sort of like forward thinking tool being used so broadly at LinkedIn, I mean, across hundreds of sellers, like, it, it's pretty powerful, the, the scale that it that it provides. And I think adopting from each other, um, and seeing what each other uses, there's now folks within LinkedIn that are using guru. And yeah. so we sort of had this, this fun cross pollination, I think, you know, that's probably one of the unintended good consequences of an acquisition yeah. is that, you know, you make each other better.
0: And that's a unique, um, I mean, from my experience, having been acquired into a very large organization, they couldn't care less what we had done, right? <laughs> They're like, you're now part of us. We're going to rip out anything that you've had. This is what you use today, which is really, really challenging on the sales organization and on the sales enablement organization. But I, I love that you're, you know, in a company like LinkedIn. It's like, I don't know, we not might not be doing it right. What are you doing? Oh, that looks great, right? Whereas. Um, you know, and you're able to look at them and say, wait, what are you doing that, that we can yeah. have do as well? So, that, so that's a very fortunate place to be. Um, over the last few years, right, we see, like, a sh- I've seen a shift of, of sales enablement teams taking more ownership of the tech stack in general, the sales tech stack. At a minimum, they're having, a uh, you know, we have a much bigger piece of the budget. And at the same time, we've already talked about, just about everything that sales mainland does is a collaboration and a partnership with some other teams. Like we mentioned product marketing, we mentioned CRO and the sales leadership. Um, so many of the technology that we've been discussing up to this point will be either administered, operated, or at the very least impact the teams that are supporting the go-to-market organization. And so these other team members can and should be key stakeholders in the decision to implement, purchase, and roll out a, a new technology or pull out an older one. So I would love to hear from you who are the main stakeholders that you partner with, and what are some of your considerations when you're adding in a solution to the tech stack, knowing that you are this bridge?
1: Yeah, I, w- I wish you'd uh, given me this preamble before I, before I did all this. It, I, uh, I learned quickly that you gotta <laughs> involve a lot of people, and a lot of people have a stake. And I think in a small company, when, when we implemented most of this stuff, like it was still doable. Um, but I, I think to your point of earlier that like sometimes it's hard to find a solution that fits everybody's need. Mm. Um, especially if you, if you start with sort of like a, Hey, here's the, here's my matrix menu of what I need. What do you need mm. uh, from a CS perspective or an IT perspective? Sometimes those don't always match up and you can't find a solution that meets it. Um, but going back to your original question, the, the teams that I now you know, see as having a stake are really all the customer facing teams. Um, at mm-hmm. glint um, and, and they obviously should because the sales team is, is sort of the tip of the spear but you know all these other teams are supporting them and, and in front of customers in some way shape or form and um, you know this could be a larger discussion around what really is go-to-market enablement mm-hmm. or revenue enablement yep, um, definitely evolving because I think yeah it's definitely evolving right it's I think the sales enablement when you look at a sales enablement tool it it's kind of a misnomer because you're so right, like all of these other teams from product marketing to CS to our consulting group to our IT team to legal, biz dev, and obviously sales are all stakeholders in, in sort of this, mm-hmm. this approach. Um, but I think maybe I won't talk necessarily about what do I consider, um, but the way that we approached it is that we started pretty small um, mm-hmm. and we sort of proved it out. Uh, within the sales org. And then as other teams saw the value of it for sales and saw, hey, this will help me integrate with sales better, or this will help me to integrate with my team so that I can integrate with sales better. um, We were able to grow and scale. And I think, um, you know, that's sort of my advice is like, start very small, prove it out with the sales team, show other teams, get like some key sort of champions within the the cross-functional teams involved. Um, and, then, and then things will explode um, and people will see the value and use it in a way that, that is most valuable for them versus trying to find you know a matrix that, that mm-hmm. fits everybody's needs.
2: Yeah
0: so it's not forced on them. Yeah and that's a really smart way to, to go is let them come to you saying they need it because they see the benefits of you know the other teams having it rather than um, telling this is the new technology that we're forcing you to roll out Um, I think, you know, PMM might be a little bit different than the go-to-market, you know, customer-facing human because they are very, like, you know, especially when it comes to like the learning management and the asset management side and the knowledge management side, a lot of times they are the ones that have to do the training or, you know, they are the subject matter expert or they have the, you know, that created the asset or the knowledge, and so you wanna make sure that they're gonna use the technology. You know, I remember when I was um, evaluating Guru myself, when I was an internal to a company, I remember having a conversation with the, B, the the VP of PMM and saying, if your team's not going to use it, I'm not going to roll it out because there's no point, right? They have to be part of the equation, and and yeah. if if and if it's not easy for them to use, whereas I might not roll it out for CS yet, but let CS come to me and say, hey, can we have this also, right? And I think to exactly. you know, too, you know, we're you know I'm seeing a shift in enablement, and I, and I it's unfortunate. That we started calling it sales enablement, I think it should be enablement or revenue enablement, or go-to-market enablement. Because today, sales enablement started to support salespeople because they were looked at as the the, the you know the profit center of the company, and that was response to perpetual licensing, right? When we used to do once and done, and that was it. Today with the SaaS world, you sell, you sell more to existing customers sometimes than mm-hmm. you do to new customers, right? So you have to enable anyone who, who interacts with a buyer and the buyer expects everybody to be able to answer questions that they don't care whether your sales support success. And so enablement, unfortunately we're saying sales enablement because it's the kind of the title that it got, but it's, it's shifting to revenue enablement, go to market enablement. So we should be thinking about it that way, but I love your idea of like, start with a small group of people, whether it's a subset of the sales team and get them to be evangelists or the sales team itself, depending on the size. You know, when I worked for Oracle, we would pilot and pilot was, well, it's funny because pilot was 500 people, but that was like, you know, 0.1% of the sales team and then being able to say, okay, it works with these people and they become the evangelists. Right. And so whatever size company you're at, you know, start with a small group of people and then, and then, you know, roll it out. And I, you know, I think back to, Um, when I was at Optimizely and and the engineering team introduced Slack and all of a sudden we're like, we want Slack, right? And it grew wall to wall because one team brought it on, which I think was was Slack's play originally. Like now it seems like it's so long ago and how could you not have Slack? But that was their play, right? And so following a, a, a similar play makes a lot of sense. What have been some of the biggest challenges that you faced building out your stack?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, there's kind of two, I, I think you hit on one of them, but I think really knowing where to start, right. There's just so many products out there. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, you type in LMS, you type in learning management system or, you know, content knowledge, you know, management, you know, you type in these different things and you know, you're going to get a million hits. And I'd say like, if I, if I were to do it all over again, I have a much wider network now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as a one-person band, sometimes that can be tough to have a network to tap and sort of say, hey, what do you guys use? Why do you use it? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, looking back, that would have been a huge, huge help. So I would say reach out to those who you know yeah. um, and ask to, to expand that network and say, hey, tell me, you know, two people you know, I want to pick their brain. Um, because that's really where the you know, the, the reference calls I did on the, the products I narrowed down to, that's really where it made sense to me why these things were being used and mm-hmm. why they were being used well and, you know, what some of the pitfalls were going in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think knowing where to start, having a network to sort of vet that and, and have a better starting place, um, I think was a big challenge I had. And then, you know, especially as more stakeholders getting involved, Mm -hmm. right. The scope can creep on what this, this technology is supposed to do or can do, you know, are you training the whole company for everybody when they start, or are you just training sales? I think sometimes those can be different, different, you know, solutions. So uh, making it, making it really clear up front, like who are the stakeholders? What do they need? And what are we actually trying to get here? Um, Cause if you get too many people in the, in the kitchen, then it's just going to be, you know, you're not going to get a solution that works for the sales team, the team that you're tasked with. The
0: yeah. Gonna, it's going to end up getting diluted to some of the other stakeholders needs. You said so many um, really, really important things in that. I think the first thing that I want to kind of go circle back to is the um, listen, talking to people in your network and what has worked for them. And I think what resonated with me when you said that was Going back to our the, our earlier part of our conversation, we very often you are a one person show. There's nobody else in the building that knows anything about enablement or, has, or mm-hmm. is trying to solve the same problem. So, and that's some, that's one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast, right? We got a lot of requests to say, you know, now that we can't go out and network, we can't go meet people at you know at, at some sales enablement event. How do I know what other sales enablement people are doing? All right, let's talk. Let's hear what what other people are thinking about because and doing because we are alone in our own building or we are, sometimes we are the only people in the, in the building that don't know anything about enablement, right? And so what really kind of leveraging your network and talking to them and, and, and you know, being enablers that we are, uh, and enablers being in a positive sense, we like to help other people, but we're gonna wanna help our colleagues as well. And we've, we've probably been in those shoes where we were the only one. So I think that's really, really important. And then also remembering the stakeholders, right? I think that that's a key thing too, you know, if, you know, we talked earlier about it, let's say, you know, the PMM is a key stakeholder, but whose problem are we solving? We're solving the salesperson's problem, not the PMM problem, right? And if it was a, you know, any PMM problem, let them solve it. But in this case, they are gonna be a stakeholder, but let's not get, let's not lose what we're trying to solve for. So really, really insightful points there. What have been some of the
1: biggest wins? I think when you think about wins, you, you have, you've got to think about the sales team and how they're using something. Um, how, how widely, you know, the, the, the technologies are being talked about, you know, in conversations you're in, in and, and meetings that aren't related to your technology. I hear so often, hey, put that in lessonly or, hey, that's on guru um, in calls that are totally unrelated to, you know, what technology we're using. And I think that's a huge win when it's become institutional. Yeah. Um, and then the adoption, right? Like we, we rolled out Guru to a small group, uh, piloted it, and realized we didn't even need to pilot it, um, and basically, we rolled it out to the sales org, and 90% of the team was using it within 30 days, mm. and that, to me, is a huge win, right? That's a story I can continually tell, that I can tell other teams, that I can tell my CEO, hey, this is this is worth our money, um, and then the two other things that like, I've become the expert. I've become the Mm. the technology expert for the sales team and that as an enabler that's like that's what you want right when people come to you and say hey can you put this up on guru or can you put this uh i, I just had a great call and gong can you share this with the rest of the group um when you, when they're coming to you saying like this is good um you know, you know you've won
0: yeah but it becomes the way it becomes part of their daily motion right What do you, and we kind of talked about this a little bit um, already, but I'm curious to hear your exact answer to this. Like, what do you wish you knew before you built out your
1: stack? What do I wish I knew? Um, Well, I wish I'd known that, like, hey, you can start small and it's Mm -hmm. okay. Um, But with products that actually work, um, I think, I well, wish you I'd known how,
0: like pilot it with a small group of people. That's what you
1: mean, pi- pilot it with a small group of people. You don't have to solve everybody's problem right away.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but you if you, problems. if you're, yeah, if you're confident that it's going to work, know that it's going to grow quickly and you're going to become, you know, the procurement expert and you're going to have to get more seats for everybody. Um, I also wish I'd con- gone in with a little bit more of an analytics plan. Like how am I tracking what folks are doing? Mm. Um, not just pushing out, but also pulling back and sort of saying at an aggregate level, what's going on here and what's the story?
0: Mm. Yeah, and these sol- solutions are giving better and better analytics every day, I think too, right? So that helps uh, with that. So, you know, we talked a lot about implementing and rolling out a new solution. When is the right time to consider maybe switching or replacing or, or, or going to a different solution? What would What are some of the things that you would think about um, or so that a sales enablement or an enablement person should think about if they're going to churn from one solution and maybe go to another?
1: Yeah, so we've actually been through this situation. And, um, you know, like I said, when, you know, this, the enablement teams are small. So if this is sucking a lot of your time to either create content or put content in or keep updated um, and it doesn't help you scale, I think it's definitely time to, to find something better, tap the network and say, here's the pain I'm having. What do you guys use? Is this helping? Um, And I think, you know, I I should have talked about this earlier, but, you know, the thing that has really been the silver bullet for me uh, when it comes to sort of the technology and platform is, is the services that come along with it.
2: Mm. Do those
1: services enable me to be uh, better and do more uh, from a scale perspective and, and a couple of the solutions we use, like not only are their teams like really fun to work with, but um, they actually can do some of the work that I would do. They're the experts mm-hmm. on how their solution can actually help salespeople or customer facing people. Um, so in Lesson Lee's example, that I, I leverage their services team all of the time um, to create lessons, to interview reps, to understand kind of what is going on and, and create content for me. Um, and that just makes makes my my little tiny organization yeah. of enablement look, you know, so yeah. much bigger and do so much yeah. more. So yeah. that's when that's when I would consider switching if if you're doing all the work and it's second all your time.
0: Yeah. And if you're, you know you could outgrow it too, right? It, it, yeah. it might have been the problem 3 years ago, it's not the problem today and if your company is continuing to evolve which it if enablement's working it should continue to evolve, you may have a different need. So really great example of Lessonly and I know their pro services team is some of the best out there so um, it's a perfect example. Um, you know, we mentioned that that this is being recorded during COVID um, and the and the aftermath of this mm-hmm. pandemic. How have you used your tech stack? And you were a remote team prior to to COVID nineteen, but how have you used your tech stack to support your team through this um, pandemic? If if
1: if it's changed at all, and how you you're managing things from an enablement perspective? Yeah, I'll give you I'll give you two examples. One one is is from a knowledge management standpoint. Uh, we're fortunate to use Guru and and they have a, a feature called the knowledge alert, uh, which means you can push content out. Um, and I think content management sometimes is thought of like, it's a hub that people go to, but it's not always thought of as something that can be pushed out. Mm. And in, in this time where things are changing so rapidly and customer questions are coming in and our competitors are changing their tactics. Mm. Um, there's so much going on and to, to be able to have the latest and greatest and push it to salespeople so that it's in front of them. Maybe they don't use it right away, but at least it sticks in their mind that they've Mm -hmm. seen it and they can come back to it, um, has been really helpful, especially for teams all over the world. I'm pushing stuff out, you know, to folks in, in Asia and Europe and, you know, they're getting it just in time uh, as, as folks here at HQ.
2: Um,
1: and then the other piece is just to validate sort of what's going on, right? With with mm-hmm. Gong, we can see, you know, what are customers saying about COVID-19? How are they reacting to the sell? Mm-hmm. What are the questions that are coming up? What's the validation or what's the, you know, objections that are coming up? And how are reps handling that? And then share that more broadly. But mm-hmm. I can also share that back with PMM. They can create yeah. content that that helps support that. So yeah, it really gives you those right? eyes, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at, I'm watching a lot of data and and the kind of people joining calls are different, right? We're going higher because they're getting on. So yeah, being able to have that knowledge and therefore, okay, we needed an executive deck earlier in the sales cycle, for example, um, which gets put into your asset, you know, your knowledge asset management. So it's like a full circle and maybe I have to train on it. So it's full circle on that. And so I think sales enablement technology just became so critical. Um,
2: um, Absolutely.
0: Any any parting words? Anything else you want to share?
1: No, I think the 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 well yes, <laughs> I think the uh, you know the the thing that's really been the the ace in my sleeve has been the services, um, and it's it, you know I know this conversation's about the tech stack, but there should be so much more to that tech stack, and that should be the people behind it, and you know it's those people that have made these things happen for yeah. us at Glint and. Really made you know my team of one sort of this little army that can do a lot more than yeah than I could do in you know in a day's worth. worth and
0: all the technologies that we've kind of talked about in in, in detail, Gong, Lessonly, Guru, they the people behind them are are some of the best, right? They they really are um, providing great services to to their teams. So um, I can fully relate to what you're saying there. So I want to thank you so much for having this conversation. It was so interesting to hear your perspective and, and really reminded of the importance of using the tech stack to make sure that it's solving the problem of the sales team and the go-to-market team that you're working with and using it to scale that, you know, one-to-many that you, that you really are. Right. Thank you for, for sharing your experiences and your perspective. Um, before we close, we did mention that we're, that we're uh, recording this during the global pandemic. What uh, What's one thing that you think is going to change as, for the better, as a result of what we're experiencing today with this uh, global pandemic and the aftermath of it?
1: Uh, my hope is that uh, when we all sort of meet back up in, in you know, grocery stores and movie theaters and this, that, and the other, that you know, having this shared experience, we'll all sort of have a, a sense of, of kindness mm-hmm. toward one another that we've all been through something pretty traumatic
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we all feel lucky to be in the same place again. Yeah. And that, you know, the, the kindness, the kindness measure will be a little bit greater. I hope uh, so. That's, that's my hope.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's such a shared experience, right? Like I, I, I was having a business call with somebody earlier this week that I had met for the first time. And we had a very genuine, honest conversation from over like when we said, how are you? We meant it. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, because we are having this shared experience that it wasn't just like, Hey, let's start our call. It's like, all right, where are you? And, and how's it going for you? And you all get a kid. Now well, let's talk business. But I think you, know, you mentioned a movie theater. I'm like, remember movie theaters? Yeah. <laughs> nice. So being able to like go back out into the real world, but also not forget what we have. So really, really, um, hopefully with you on that and at least for, for some time, we'll have that. Well, thank you, Chad. This was amazing and so helpful and appreciate your time and your wisdom.
1: Uh, honored to be here. Thanks, Roz, as always.
0: There was so much that we covered here, and I feel like we can go deeper into multiple threads. One of the topics of particular importance for the go-to-market teams is trusted knowledge. Our next episode is dedicated to the impact, utilization, and maintenance of knowledge management, as well as the technologies behind it. As we close for today, thank you to PurplePlanet.com for our music production, and to you for listening. We encourage you to get in touch with us with requests for future topics, questions, or if you just want to say hello, we can be found at level213.com or through LinkedIn.